you. Finding life rather dull. Dreaming again of exotic places. Wishing you were somewhere else. We offer you... Escape. Escape with us now to the most evil city in the Orient and the story of a beautiful but unscrupulous woman who ruled it, as Herb Purdom tells it in his exciting story, Macau. streets are dark. It's raining on my hair, my good dress. All very unimportant now. I only know it's a good night to die. Where do you begin a story like mine? I think it began when the devil gathered the filth and evil of the world. He shaped it into a city and placed it on the south coast of China. He named it Macau. And because the devil enjoys a bad joke, he make me queen of Macau's rottenness. And worse, he made me like it. Maybe you've wanted something. Wanted something so bad you'd kill to get it. I did. I wanted a city, this city. I wanted to own every grimy cafe and waterfront dive in it. I did get some of it, a lot of it. But the more I got, the more I wanted. And I nearly got it, too. And six days ago, things began to go wrong. It was at the harbor front one afternoon. Out of my way, you scabby bums. Out of my way before I take disinfectant to you. <laughs> That's right, you stinking rabble. Make room. Make... Good oh. afternoon, Mrs. Rawls. Go in my arm, Mars. Did you want something on the docks? Your men have been operating in the city. Your province is on the water, Marsic. You're out of line. So there's plenty left for you? I see. All right, Marsic. And don't forget that on the docks, I'm king. Yeah? Well, long live the king, only don't bet on it. Goodbye, Marsic. Hey, wait. There's no reason for us to fight. I'll do anything. Goodbye, any... Marsic. Yeah, of course, only if I offended you, Mrs. Rawls. I'm sorry. We could be friends. I'm on your side. You just be sure you're on my side. Well, lady, that man bothering you. What? If you're unhappy with the way that big character's heart acts, maybe I can help. His heart? Sure, sure. It just keeps beating and beating. It needs a rest. Oh? Who are you? Johnny Hook. Oh, don't bother to introduce yourself. Everyone in Macau knows Mrs. Connie Rawls. Then you should know I need no help. I have pretty good references. A fellow named Vic Rawls once wrote me I had a job here if I wanted to claim it. You... You knew my husband? Yeah. Yeah, we were bunkmates in the AVG. Did a little smuggling together once. I heard he was killed. Two years ago. Where have you been? I just finished a hitch with Lu Chan. The guerrilla leader? Yeah. The one they call the White Tiger? <laughs> well, the commies call him worse than that. Mao would hock his hammer and sickle to see old Lu Chan hanging by his heel. I know. 
Wu Chen's guerrilla army is still holding nearly half of southern China. That's right. Look, my headquarters, the Red Angel, is near here. We can talk there. Swell. Perhaps. If you're what you say, you may have a job. If not, well, at least you'll have a chance to taste Willie's punch of the devil. It's good. And you add a jigger on a half of cognac and a dash of bitters. Then take a lemon, twist and rub it gently. That, that, that's very important. You rub it gentle around the rim of each glass. See, most guys toss the twist into the drink, but that way, you know, it's too strong. All you want is just the stink of a lemon. <laughs> yeah. Okay, yeah? You wrap a tongue around a punch of the devil. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Willie. I don't know about the drink, but your monologue will do. Hey, that's all right. I told you. Well, dummy, what are you waiting for, a medal? Get out. Get down to the bar. Sure, Mr. Ross. Sure. You know, that's what I like, a dame with sentiment. Why didn't you just kick him in the stomach and be done with it? He's used to me. I'll bet he is. You know, you're pretty. You're smart. I can see why Vic married you. But how do you run a setup like this? Vic spoke Cantonese. He knew the people. You? It isn't necessary. All brain work, huh? Well, honey, you gotta be human, too. You gotta understand feelings. Like this one, for instance. There. Is that all? No. No, I'm liable to kiss you again. Fu Sung. What? Well, sliding panels. Who's the Chinese gun toter? The name is Fu Sung, foolish one. Huh? You look a little old to be playing games. Honey, aren't you being a little melodramatic over a kiss? Shut up. Oh, now, look. Shut up! You think you're tough, Johnny Hook. Too tough to obey a woman. Will Fu Sung teach Casanova the penalty for misjudging me? Oh, now, hold up, sister. All I did... You! Give him another one, Fu Sung. I don't want him to make a mistake about me again. As you wish. <laughs> I think he's softening, Fu Sung. Pull his head back. He's dripping blood on my rug. <clears throat> All right, Johnny, you're not out. Let's talk a little. What's your name? Johnny Hook. The real one. John Butterfield. We'll call you Hook. You say you knew Vic. Describe him. Tall, dark-haired. He had a scar over his right eye. How'd he talk? Drawled. He was a Texan. You wanted any place? No. Ever kill a man? Sure, in the war. Who didn't? Otherwise? A couple. Look, what's with all the talk? Why'd you quit Luchan? Luchan? You fought for the white tag? Sure. Sure, but my salary started coming in the form of promises. I like to get paid for my work. So... That is the economic necessity of life. But you must tell me of Louis Chan sometime. Later, I... Fusang. Johnny, you uh, wanted to know how I run this setup. Well, Fusang handles the Orientals. He speaks a dozen dialects. Go on. As a rule, I don't hire white men. I can't be trusted. Maybe I'm an exception. Maybe. We'll see. Your first job will be on a man named Peter Marsick. I want six of his boats destroyed tonight. You'll be supplied with bombs and a fast speed boat. While I talked, I watched. I knew from watching him take Fu Sung's blows that Johnny was tough. I hoped he was tough enough, for I was lining him up for the world's most dangerous murder. <laughs> ¶¶
what? We can still see Johnny's boat ahead. You take quite an interest in him. Would you like some gum? No. It is good gum, made in your country. Chewing gum quiets your nerves. There's nothing wrong with my nerves. Pull into this cove. We can watch from here. Yes. He is ready to make his run. I hope all goes well. Yeah. Shall I mount the machine gun in the rear? If he's pursued too closely, I can discourage them from here as they pass. Perhaps you'd better. But if it's the police, don't shoot. Of course. He started his run. The gun will be ready in a moment. He's at the line of boats. There they blow. An unfortunate waste of good boats, little one. I want to be sure Marsic never challenges me again. This'll stop him. Indeed it will. Those boats cost Marsic a fortune. There. The gun only needs loading. Here comes Johnny. He's got his boat wide open. Behind him it is clear. No. Little one, look. A police cruiser. Police? Stop them. But little one, you know we must not fire on the police. Stop that cruiser. The men are forward. Try for the engine's aft. No, little one, this is insane. Stop that cruiser or I'll ram it. Very well. You did it. They're on fire. They're jumping. Please, little one, let us go. Yeah. stranger. You are a fool. Shut up, Fusung. I run this thing. You are angry, little one. We will discuss it later. Ah, no more disaster. I'm out of gum. You just started a new stick. It is unfortunate, but I swallowed it. Quiet? Come in, Johnny. Well, honey, my six boats are matchwood now. Mrs. Rawls. Oh, Mrs. Rawls. I got away clean, but someone did a devil of a lot of shooting behind me. You idiot, you forced us to sink a police cruiser. I forced you. You mean that it was you behind me? Fu Sung and I. You're not with Lu Chan fighting the communists now, Johnny. Fights cost me money. Oh, no, how? The cops. Well, they won't be able to prove anything, but that's because I dumped a machine gun worth $600. I'll steal your new one. Forget it. You did a good job on the boats. Thanks. Little one, Inspector Kaiwan, downstairs in the club. Thanks, I'll be down. Johnny, you better get out of here and stay out for a day or so. Use the back stairs. All right. Oh, and Connie, uh, Mrs. Rawls... Yeah? Thanks. For what? My life. It's not much, but I like it. You know, if I can keep you around, I may die a natural death yet. I gave Johnny three minutes. Then I went down to the nightclub. The Red Angel wasn't only a good front, it was something else. Something special. Just for me. It was smoky enough for a five-alarm fire. And the combined smell of liquor, perfume, and unwashed bodies was enough to make a buzzard back off. But to me, the Red Angel had never lost its fascination. 
I wouldn't have traded it for heaven. Mrs. Rose, Inspector Kaiwan. We've met on many occasions. Yes, indeed. The number of our meetings has not dulled my enjoyment of your beauty, madam. Uh, yeah. A drink? Thank you. No. It is my sad duty to try and discover proof of your activities last night. Yes. If you were I, would you use trickery or <laughs> threats? <laughs> Fusang has given me your alibi. Your boats, of course, have been prepared for our visit. Is that all? I would like to chat for a while. Perhaps I can trick you. You've heard your visit. Unless you bring a charge against me, get out. Cops give the place a bad smell. Is it possible? Nevertheless, a year ago, you were more cautious with me, madam. You have given me hope at last. Hope? What hope? The most powerful drug in the world is power. The addict destroys himself. And you, madam, have become an addict. Good night. Escape, under the direction of Norman MacDonald, returns in just a moment. Tomorrow evening, CBS presents over most of these same stations, The Nation's Nightmare, first of six weekly programs exploring organized crime in America. First program in this series of hard-hitting exposés will be titled The Narcotic Evil. Gathered from major centers of addiction, information about government activity against this vice, words spoken by its victims, and the progress in the fight to correct it, will be reported tomorrow night on The Nation's Nightmare over CBS. And now, back to Escape. I was always fascinated by the smell of evil. Even when I was a little girl, I used to pretend my dolls were... <laughs> well, no matter. Let's say I was bad to begin with. The only wages I wanted to earn were the wages of sin. Above all, I wanted to be bad in a big way. And in Macau, 6,000 miles from my hometown, I made it. That's only me, Mrs. Rawls. Willie. Well, come on in, dummy. Don't stand there. Yes, ma'am. Two drinks, Willie. And make them good. You oughtn't to talk like that to me, Mrs. Rawls. Call me a dummy. That isn't very nice. Oh, shut up. Just mix the drinks and turn on that blasted fan before I suffocate. Yes, ma'am. I'm uh, going to leave you, Mrs. Rawls. I'm going home. Uh, sure, sure. Uh, the drinks, Willie. Dream about home tomorrow. I will. That's when I'm gone. I saved my money. Uh, yes. Uh, see? It's all in this wallet. I'm going home after ten years. Well, you really do have the money. Yes, ma'am. I'll make the drinks. Do that. Evening, Connie. Oh, hi, Willie. How's the drinking business? Oh, people still doing it. They always do it. I'm going home, Johnny. Tomorrow. <laughs> Willie. Home after Willie, Johnny's not interested. Get out. Sure, Mrs. Ross. Sure. What are you trying to prove, Connie? What do you mean? Kicking that poor guy around. Does it make you feel good? He's a dummy. He doesn't care. Help yourself to the drinks and hand me one. I'll call down and make amends to Willie. 
Yeah, you do that. There you are. Thanks. Fusung? Willie's on his way down. Give him the night off and tell him the drinks are on me. Yeah, champagne. And listen, he's carrying a bankroll. See that he doesn't have it in the morning. Mm-hmm. That's right. Oh, and that champagne. Make it the cheap kind. So Willie doesn't get home after all. He's a good bartender when he's sober. And I like these. Well, that's a good reason to bust a man's drink. Inspector Kaiwan has dropped his investigation. He knows it's you. He can't touch me. I'm too big. Yeah, yeah, you're too big. But it's nothing to what it will be. And you too, Johnny. If you can bear the way I treat my bartender. Oh, I'm a louse already. I may as well go all the way. A quarter of a million dollars? What? Help you make the trip? Quarter? Hey, how many of those drinks have you had? You want in? Do I want to breathe? It's a big order. Dangerous job. So was the war, only it didn't pay so well. Go on. Mao's communists are taking over in China. I'm going to help them for a quarter of a million dollars. And? And? Macau. Macau? You mean the whole city? The whole city. Well, well, I give you credit, baby. You go nuts in a big way. I've made the deal. All right, break it down for me. It's very simple. You'll assassinate the guerrilla leader, Lu Chan. Johnny's face was the color of blue cheese as he stared at me. But I knew the power of money over men like him. That quarter of a million would buy better scruples than his. And in case he needed extra encouragement, I gave him an additional promise and a kiss. We both liked it. Oh, baby, baby. Johnny, again... You love me? Yes. Yes, I do. Johnny? Hmm? You'll do the job? Sure, sure. I'll start making plans right away. Good. Keep in mind what you're working for. A quarter of a million dollars. Me. Now drink your drink, honey. The ice is melting. Eight, nine, ten. Your play, little one. I should stop now. I never win against you, Fusung. Uh, four of diamonds. Mrs. Ross, you gotta give it back to me. You, you stole my money. It ain't right. Give it back. Now, Willie, don't blame me if you got drunk and were rolled. Please, please. I, I saved for ten years to get that money. Jack of hearts to you, Fusung. You give it back to me or I'll, I'll, I'll kill you. See, I got a gun. Don't be a fool, Willie. She is right, Willie. Don't be a fool. There are at least 200 men who would make sure you never left Macau alive. They would get you in an alley, in the street, somewhere. You know they would. All I want is my money. Maybe I'll tell the police. Who's your next of kin, Willie? But uh, my next of kin? Your health is getting bad. No, 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 wait, 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 wait. I, I, I didn't want to blab the police. I... I, I was just kidding. I was sure you were. Get out of here, Willie, and leave the gun. Sure. Sure, Mrs. Ross, sure. Here. Ah, dummy. Got a salary $10 for Sung. He saves too much. Three to you. Gin. Gin? 
I have the devil's own luck. <laughs> I guess I just don't live right. That's nice, Frankie. Little one. It's been a good night. The money flowed in. Good. Tell Willie to make me a drink. Go on, Frankie. Good evening, Mrs. Rawls. It is indeed a lovely melody. No, hello, Inspector. Slumming? Slumming? I do not believe I understand this word. Forget it. Play some more, Frankie. I... I brought you word that I thought might distress you. Peter Marsick committed suicide an hour ago. So? So it is considered humane to be sad when an acquaintance meets violent end. Especially when I'm supposed to have blown up his boats and driven him to it, huh? Get out of here, Brassat. As you wish. You seem to hold my work in great disfavor. Look, Inspector Carwan, I don't like cops, and I don't like you. So do me a favor and stay away from me. Good night, Mrs. Rawls. Oh, good evening, Mr. Hook, I believe. Yeah. Good evening, Inspector. Um, uh, Kaiwan, I believe. Kaiwan. Hi, Connie. That's a nice tune. What is it? Softly as a morning sunrise. My favorite. Thanks, Frankie. Come on over to the bar, Johnny. I've got a drink waiting. Here's your drink, Mrs. Rawls. Willie, fix me one, will you? I need it. Sure. Well, Johnny, figured out your plan? Yeah. Well? Oh, don't mind Willie there. Tell me. I figured out a way to kill Luchan, but I'm not going to do it. Say that again. You heard right, Connie. I'm out of the deal. Yeah, Johnny. Thanks, Willie. Oh, boy, you're still as good as ever. Thank you. Glad you like it. Johnny Hook, you're not backing out of this deal. I'm already out. Oh, look, Connie, you had me tabbed right, I guess. For that kind of money, I'd kill a man. But not if it means the end of what a lot of guys I knew died for. Died for? This will mean more power for us than we ever dreamed of. I don't dream. I have nightmares. How about you and I, Johnny? Doesn't that count at all? I told you once, Connie. Sometimes it isn't just brain work. You have to understand the way people feel. Oh, I'm sorry. You don't know what I'm talking about. Johnny! Johnny! You stupid, sentimental fool. You're forcing Another me to... a drink, Mrs. Ross? No, I'm going upstairs. Clean up and lock up. And if you drink any of the liquor, pay for it. Just finished. Would you care for some gin rummy? Johnny Hook has just betrayed us. He just left. You know what to do. Johnny? But how? Never mind how. Pass the order along. You know what you are doing. Once I give that order, he is a dead man. That's the kind of a man I want him to be. Do as I say. Yes. Good night, little one. I will tell them to make it quick. We'll never know what happened. Johnny would never know, but I would. 
I sat at my desk staring through two blank eyes at the room. Only I was seeing Johnny walking Macau Street, past this alley and the next, always going closer to the one that held his death. I looked out at the window and saw it was beginning to rain. I give the order, Mrs. Rawls. Then go away. What did you call me? Mrs. Rawls. But I'm your little one. You always... There is no little one. You killed her when you plotted to betray my people. What? So Willie shot off his mouth. As you say, Willie shot off his mouth. All right, so I didn't tell you about it. I would have cut you in on it later. Even now you do not understand. You betrayed my people, the men who make up your organization, me... Louis Shun is all that stands between us and communist slavery. Get a soapbox, patriot. Everybody's waving a flag tonight. I wished only to tell you that you are through in Macau. You forgetting I own this place? This and all the other places? The cars, the boats, the guns, everything? But I control the men. So I'll get new men. Now get out. Get out! Get out! I'm sick of the sight of you! Certainly. Only, it is just fair to tell you, Mrs. Rawls... The penalty for betrayal in our organization is death, as you know. I passed the order for yours. Tonight. Busan! How could it happen? One moment I was all-powerful and my plans were set to make me owner of Macau. And then I was alone, my power gone, and I was just another woman. No, not even that. For there, outside the wet window, was my death waiting for me. Somehow I found myself driven to meet it. I went down and out into the rain. Well, hello there, cutie. How's about a nice warm drinky, huh? Hey. What's the matter? Too big to drink with a sailor? Snooty dame. Which one? Which doorway will it be? Rain is so clean. The cow glistens like a polished black diamond now. I wish I'd gotten up early more often. I never realized how wonderful it is to see a sunrise. I like walking in the early morning. Perhaps if I hurry, I can catch Johnny. Under the direction of Norman MacDonald, Escape has brought you Macau by Herb Purdom, starring Michael Ann Barrett and Stacey Harris with Raymond Burr. Featured in the cast were Lou Krugman, Charles Lung, Paul Dubov, and Frank Gerstel. The special music for Escape is composed by Leith Stevens and conducted tonight by Wilbur Hatch.
next week. Escape with us to the outer limits of space and the terrifying experiences of five men who penetrated it. As Ray Bradbury, famous science fiction writer, tells it in his gripping story, The Earthmen. Immediately after station identification over most of these same CBS stations, yours truly, Johnny Dollar, played by Edmund O'Brien, investigates the Neil Breer matter for an insurance company. Finding his victim buried a week, Johnny Dollar goes to work uncovering one shocking fact after another. As his expense account mounts, so does the action and excitement. Stay tuned for Edmund O'Brien as yours truly, Johnny Dollar, next on most of these same CBS stations. Roy Rowan speaking. This is CBS where you hear the FBI in peace and war every Thursday night on the Columbia Broadcasting System. Finding life rather dull, dreaming again of exotic places, wishing you were somewhere else, we offer you Escape. Escape with us now to the outer limits of space and the terrifying experiences of four men who penetrated it, as Ray Bradbury, famous science fiction writer, tells it in his gripping story, The Earthmen. Ready, Clitheroe? Yes, sir. Communication number one. Mission accomplished. Yes, sir. You better make sure you pause after that. Give them a few seconds to get over their excitement down there. Oh, they'll go crazy. Be bigger than New Year's Eve. New Year's Eve? Be bigger than the armistice. Only one celebration will top it in our lifetime. What's that, sir? The one they throw when we get back. <laughs> <laughs> All right, now, where was I? Uh, mission accomplished. Yeah. Uh, first rocket expedition to Mars landed upon Mars 1203 Earth time. Estimated position of landing, approximately longitude 345 degrees, latitude minus 7 degrees. Yes, sir. Landed without incident at edge of forest. Atmosphere, uh, what's a good word to say it's all right for breathing? Optimal? Uh, yeah. Found atmosphere optimal. Descended from rock. Uh, Captain Williams. Uh, yeah? Uh, Prescott, sir. I see Prescott. He's running this way. Running something after him? Uh, no, he's just loping along. I think he's smiling. Keep your binoculars on him. Sound off. It looks like he's in trouble. Uh, descended from rocket. Sent Lieutenant Prescott on reconnaissance mission. Uh, Dugan, Prescott, all right? Uh, yes, sir. Uh, want me to yell to him? No, just stay up there and watch him. Uh, morale high. Command efficiency and discipline of entire crew. Lieutenant Prescott and Dugan, Sergeant Clitheroe. Thanks, Captain. Uh, there's enough glory for all, Sergeant. Any chance of sending that in now? Not for two hours. Channels won't be clear for voice communication until 3 o'clock Earth time. They don't even know yet that we made it. I'd like to be down there when they get that message. <laughs> what excitement. Sirens, bands, playing artillery salute. Uh, here's Prescott, sir. Good. Come on down, Dugan. 
Prescott, you all right? People! Here, sit down, sit down. Catch your breath. People! Mars has people. All right, now take your time. You want a drink? Mars is in heaven. People, just like home. Any women? Let him talk. What sort of people? Ordinary-looking people. Men, women, kids. Hostile? I don't think so. I came down a road, a country road, followed it to a right angle into a paved highway. Yeah. Before I could decide whether to go right or left, I heard a buzzing sort of sound. I ducked behind a bush. Vehicle rolled past. One wheel must have a gyroscopic balance of some sort. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Inside was a man and a woman. What'd they look like? Just like us. Hair, eyes, nose, mouth, body, clothes. Uh, Mars inhabited. Wait till they hear that down there. Well, after it passed, I followed it. I came to a hill. And when I got to the top, there it was, a little town. Buildings, streets, just like home. And then I hurried back here. People. And just like home, huh? Yeah. You suppose they're really friendly? Well, I don't see why not. You heard what he said? Civilization up here resembles the one down there. What would they do on Earth if Martians came down and established contact? They'd make a pretty big thing out of it. Yeah, the people up here will probably treat us the same way. Even so, we're not going to take any chances. We'll be armed. We're going into town? Right. As soon as we camouflage the rocket. All right, start cutting some of those branches and gathering leaves. Cover it up good. I don't want anybody monkeying around while we're gone. Right. We can't be gone long, Captain. Channel's open at three. We'll be back by then, if everything goes well. Oh, can you imagine their reaction when they see us? Come on, man, make it fast! All right, men, dress it up. I'm going to knock on the door now. And keep smiling to show we're friendly. And let me do all the talking. Understand? Yes, sir. Yes, what do you want? You speak English. I speak what I speak. What do you want? Martian speaks English. Uh, We're from Earth. I'm Captain Williams, commander of the first expedition to Mars. And you are the first Martian we've met. Martian? What I mean to say is you live on the fourth planet from the sun, correct? Well, everybody knows that. Well, we're from Earth. Where? It's never been done before. What has it? How is it you speak such good English? I'm not speaking, I'm thinking. Telepathy. Now, what is it you want? We're from Earth. From Earth. Some other time, Mac. I got my own problem. How do you like that? He didn't look very bright. I I, I know, but... Well, well, uh, try it again. Uh, Knock on the door. I'm in command here, Dugan. I'll do all the thinking. Yes, sir. I'll knock on the door and try it again. Yes? Oh, excuse me, ma'am. Was that your husband I was just talking to? Yes. He shut the door so quick I never got a chance to explain Oh, I'm sorry, but he is busy. Uh, Can I help you? Are you uh, strangers in town? (laughs) I'll say we are. We're from Earth. Earth? The planet Earth. Maybe you have a different name for it. The third in order from the sun. We came in a rocket. Almost 60 million miles from space. Don't come near me. I... Just one if you can. You and your husband are the first people on this planet we've don't seen. Don't come near me. You don't understand. We're from Earth. We we came in a rocket. We came in a rocket. <laughs> <and> we... <laughs> What'd I do, Captain? Don't you think we'd better get away from here, maybe? Well, all I did was... Was... How far is it to town, Prescott? 
quarter of a mile. I just... I just wanted to shake hands. What was it that scared him? Do whatever you want. Doesn't seem to make any difference. Nobody's paying any attention to us anyhow. You'd think these people had visitors from Earth every day. Nobody even turns around to look at us. Can I say something, Captain? Yeah. We can't blame them for ignoring us, sir. We look just the same as they do. For all they know, we're just a few Martians ambling through the town square. We ought to take a chance and try telling someone else. We've told three of them already. Back at that farmhouse, the man ignored us and the woman screamed and ran away. And that girl we told fainted. A Captain... Looks like a bar or a soda fountain in here. Would it be uh, all right if we went in and had something to drink? Well, why not? Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Could we get something to drink here? Got some nice fruit crystal. It's all right. The same for everyone. It's all right. I don't think I've ever seen you fellas around. You strangers? We're from Earth. Where? Earth. Third planet from the sun. Oh. Clumsy of me. Earth, huh? Well, what do you know? You mean you... You understand what I'm trying to tell you? Sure. Sure. That we're the first men from Earth ever to reach Mars that has never been done before? That we came 60 million miles in a rocket? Uh, sure, sure. 60 million, huh? Rocket, you say? Well, I'm, I'm proud to make your acquaintance. I'm Captain Williams. This is Lieutenant Prescott, mm-hmm. Sergeant Clitheroe, and Lieutenant Dugan. I'm honored. I'm, I'm honored. Do you mind if I bring my son in to meet you? This is an occasion. <laughs> sure, sure. Bring him in. Son! Son! Come in here! Rocket, eh? All the way by rocket. Say, now. You uh, understand what we went through. The chances we took. Sure, sure. Why, you're real heroes. Uh, let me shake hands again. You call me Pop? Son, these men are from Earth. From Earth. Understand? Yes, Pop. We're the first men from Earth ever to reach Mars. Isn't that wonderful, son? Think of it. It's wonderful. Go tell everyone. You don't mind if he tells people. Do you? <laughs> mind? <laughs> I should say not. Oh, we'd like him to. <laughs> as many as possible. Go ahead, son. Hurry. <sighs> think of it all the way from Earth. There were times in there when I didn't think we'd make it, I can tell you. Hey, I'll bet there were. <laughs> turbine conked out when we hit the stratosphere, and I began to sweat the big drop. Yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> turbine, uh, it's pretty serious. But even before we left, we were told we only had about one chance in three of making it. Hey, I don't where you found the courage. We didn't even know what we'd find when we got here. My, You oh see, my. It, it's never been done before. Never. Uh, let me shake your hand again. Lots of men were killed trying, but they never succeeded. What an honor for our little town. <laughs> You're the first to know, really. The very first. Oh? Your name will go down in history in all the school books with ours. And right. the monuments on both planets. Hey, what is your name? Hey, wait a minute, man. Hold on. What's up, Skipper? Outside. All those people. Looks like the whole town. Right, right, right. They, they must have heard the news, the glorious news from my son. Yes, they, 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 they've come to welcome you. Hey, Hold your fire, men. Welcome us. 
It doesn't sound like they've come to welcome us, Pop. Who is you? Why, uh, that's the man we first spoke to, the one whose wife got scared. Gentlemen, please don't shoot. There must be some mistake. I'll just ask them why they're behaving in such a... Here, come back here. Come back here, you old... Come back here. Ran out of us. What do you make of that? Captain, I don't understand this and I don't like it. Dugan, the back way out. See if it's clear. Prescott, you fire when I say fire, not before lower your gun. They're all around us, Captain. We'll make a break for it. One volley at my command. Captain then... Williams. Yeah? Look, there's a little guy out there giving them all what for. They're starting to disperse. Let me see. Clear this square immediately. Immediately, I say. Go on now. Go on, all of you. Go on, all. He's coming in. Now, I'll do all the talking. Put your guns away, but stay on your toes. Dugan, let's keep our eye on the back, huh? Gentlemen, uh, may I apologize for the unforgivable actions of my fellow townspeople. They've acted barbarously. Barbarously. We didn't do a thing. We were as friendly as we could be. Well, they're ignorant. Ignorant. Just ignorant. No reverence for science. None whatever. We're from Earth. Did they tell you? Oh, yes, yes. A great honor, sir. This is without a doubt the most memorable moment of my life. As a man of science, I greet you. What have we done to make them so hostile? Oh, no, please, put it out of your thoughts. They are dolts, idiots, simply because two women were stupid enough to be frightened. <laughs> my apologies, my sincere apologies. Believe me, sir, I would never have forgiven them if they had harmed so much as a hair of your head. It's scientific marvel, and they would do you harm. Unforgivable. Oh, my... We're wasting time. The members of the Institute are waiting. Institute? The Institute of Science. We have sole jurisdiction in such matters. The members have already been informed and are eagerly awaiting your appearance. It will cause a sensation. Well, that's a little more like it. This way, if you please. I have transportation waiting. And have no fear of these rustics. You're in my care now. <laughs> I'm Captain Williams, sir. Who are you? I'm president of the Institute. My name is Dr. Boo. This way, gentlemen. This way. Escape under the direction of Norman MacDonald returns in just a moment. How the gambling machine works. The far-reaching effect of legal and illegal gambling. Domination of entire areas by racketeers. That's this week's topic on The Nation's Nightmare, tomorrow night on CBS. And now, back to Escape. I won't make a speech, you understand, just a few informal remarks. The members of the Institute will listen to you with the greatest interest, no matter how informal your remarks. Go right in and make yourself at home. Thank you, Doctor. I'll keep it short. We have to be back at our rocket by three o'clock our time in order to... To communicate with Earth, yes. You told me. (laughs) Go right in. I'll join you very soon. Thank you. After you, men. He's a nice fellow. Wow. What an auditorium. Yeah. Must be hundreds of people. 
I wonder how they managed to get them together at such short notice. Straighten up, men. They're looking at us. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. I am Mr. U. And I'm Captain Jonathan Williams of New York City. On Earth. Thank you, one and all, on behalf of myself and my crew. Thank you. Well, it's good to see another man from Earth. I am from Earth also. How is that again? There are many of us here from Earth. You? From Earth? Yes. But is that possible? Did did you come by rocket? Has space travel been going on for centuries? What, uh, What country are you from? To Erio. I came by the spirit of my body years ago. To Erio? I never heard of it. What was that about the spirit of your body? What do you mean there are many of us here from Earth? Not only from Earth. He's from Jupiter. He's from Saturn. Jupiter? Saturn? Wait a minute, this is confusing. Where on Earth is this To Erio? To Erio? Is it near... America. America? What is America? You never heard of America? No. You say you're from Earth and you never heard of America. Earth is a place of seas and nothing but seas. There is no land. I am from Earth and I know. Earth is a place of all jungle. I am from Orion Earth, a civilization built of silver. Silver? Men, come over here a second. you realize what this is? What, sir? This is no celebration. These aren't members of the Institute. This isn't a banquet or a surprise party. Huh? Look at their eyes. Listen to them. Now I understand why the woman screamed, why the girl fainted, why the old boy in the soda fountain ran out on us, why the crowd was hostile, why they brought us here. Oh, where are we, sir? In an insane asylum. They think we're crazy. <laughs> Crithero, try the door again. I just tried it, Captain. It's still locked. Go right in, gentlemen. The members of the Institute will listen to you with the greatest interest, no matter how informal your remark. <laughs> I'll bet they've been listening, all right. I'll bet they've had us under observation ever since we entered this building. Uh, Captain, look. What? You ought to take a look. That woman who said she was from Earth, too. Blue flame is coming out of her mouth and then turning into the shape of a small naked child. You think that's something? I've been watching one of them change into a crystal pillar and then into a golden statue and then into a staff of cedar and then back into a woman again. Never saw anything like that. Magicians. No. Not magicians. Those are hallucinations. They pass their insanity over into us and we see their hallucinations too. Telepathy. Auto-suggestion and telepathy. Well, look, Captain. If hallucinations can appear this real to us, to anyone, if hallucinations are catching and almost believable... It's no wonder they took us for psychotics. If that woman can produce little blue fire children and and that one can change into a pillar, how natural if normal Martians think we can produce our rocket ship with our minds. I've been thinking along those lines, too. If someone came up to you on Earth and said he was from Mars, just came in by rocket, wouldn't you think he was crazy? I would. Heaven help me, I would. What time is it? Uh, 2.35. Those channels open in 25 minutes. Where's that doctor? Where's that doctor? 
I said, where's that doctor? I'm here, Captain. I demand our release. I demand an apology for this outrage. My government will certainly hear of this. All the governments of Earth will hear of it. I shall tell them of the indignities heaped upon their representatives. Yes, yes, of course. Don't humor me! Are you going to release us, or must I take steps? What sort of steps? I'll kill you. That's very interesting. Excuse me a moment. Dr. Lowe. Yes, doctor. Did you call me, doctor? The case is developing along classic lines. I thought you might be interested. He's just threatened to kill me. Uh, Proceed, please, Captain. I wasn't joking, I tell you. Are you going to stand aside? No. All right. Jan. Most interesting. What do you suppose the next phase will be? A denial of insanity. Reaffirmation of sanity. But we are sane. We are. You see, classic men try to think of something. He thinks we're insane and he won't understand that we're not. No, 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 not at all. I do not think all of you are insane. Oh, no. Uh, just you, sir. The others, the ones you persist in referring to as your crew, they do not exist. They are secondary hallucinations. Secondary? Hallucinations. But you can touch them. You can hear them. Go ahead and touch them. They would prove nothing. Patients have come to me with snakes crawling from their ears. When I cured them, their snakes vanished. We'll be glad to be cured. Go ahead. It's unusual. Not many want to be cured. Uh... The cure is drastic, you know. Cure ahead. I'm confident you'll find we're all safe. He persists in referring to the others. Oh, they never stop. You know, Captain, such cases as yours need special treatment. The others in this hall are simpler forms, but once a patient has deteriorated as much as you have with primary, secondary, tertiary, auditory, olfactory, and lingual delusions, as well as tactile and optical fantasies, it's a pretty bad business. We may have to resort to euthanasia. Euthanasia? You're crazy! Now, listen. My crew and I left Earth three days ago in a rocket. We landed here in Mars. Yes, 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 you've already told me, Captain. Most detailed dream fantasy I've ever heard. But I can show you the rocket ship! I'd like to see it. Can you manifest it in this hall? No, certainly. It's over there on the corner. I don't see. Of course you don't. It's not there. Why did you tell me to look if the rocket isn't there? I was joking, idiot. Joking. Really? You have an odd sense of humor. If you give us transportation and come with us, I can show you the rocket. It's in a small forest near that town where we first saw you. Be rather interesting to observe his reaction at the failure to show it to us. Yes. Would you care to accompany me, Dr. O? Oh, I'd be delighted. Very well, Captain. Lead us to your rocket. Here it is. Here's the rocket. Now are you satisfied? Now are you convinced? I see nothing resembling a rocket. Lugan, Prescott, Clithero, clear away the camouflage. Hurry! You'll see, Doctor. You'll see. All right, there. 
There. Okay, men, that's enough. There you are, Doctor. That's the main hatch. Now, are you convinced? Wonderful manifestation. Wonderful. But like the manifestation of your gun when you threatened to kill me, completely unreal and non-functional. See, I've been thinking about why your gun jammed, Captain. I think it's a change in atmosphere. I suppose he allows his hallucinatory companion to offer the rational because the reality is too painful for him to offer it himself. It's precisely done. It's a rocket. It's a real rocket. See? I can touch it. Uh, may we look inside? I insist that you look inside. <laughs> Come along, Dr. Lowe. This is one of the most... Captain... Three minutes to three. If we can keep them here until they open the channels, they'll be able to hear the reaction to our report on Earth, and then we'll be able to... I know, I know, I know. What a suspicious bunch of louts. Two cents, I'd tell the people back home not to bother with Mars. Fascinating. I've never seen anything like it. All right, now do you believe? Why, this is the most incredible example of sensual hallucination and hypnotic suggestion I've ever encountered. We went through your your rocket, as you call it. I tapped it, and I heard it. Auditory fantasy. I smelled it. Olfactory hallucination induced by sensual telepathy. I could even taste it. Lingual fantasy. Allow me to shake your hand, sir, and congratulate you. You are a psychotic genius. You have done the most complete job by the task of projecting your psychotic image life into the mind of another via telepathy and keeping the hallucinations from becoming sensually weaker is almost impossible. Those people in the house usually concentrate on visuals or at the most visual and auditory fantasies combined. But you, uh, Captain, have balanced the whole conglomeration. Your insanity is beautifully complete. My insanity? Yes, yes. What a lovely insanity. Metal, rubber... Foods, clothing, fuel, nuts, both, 10,000 separate items we've checked on your vessels. Uh, never have we seen such a complexity. Why, there were even shadows under the bunks and under everything. Such a concentration of will. Let me embrace you, sir. <laughs> I write this into my greatest monograph. I'll speak of it at the Martian Institute next month. Uh, doctor, he's incurable, of course. Of course. You poor, wonderful man. You'll be much happier, Dave. What? Have you any last words? Wait, no, no, don't you... Oh, you poor, sad creature. I'm afraid you are far beyond any psychiatric therapy. You are an incurable king. No. I shall put you out of this misery which has driven you to imagine this rocket and these three men. I didn't... It not... will be most engrossing to watch your three friends and your rocket vanish once I've killed you. <laughs> Doctor. And then I will write a paper on the dissolution of neurotic images... From what I observed here today. I'm from Earth. My name is Jonathan Williams. And these yes, men are... Yes, I know. From Earth. Honest. Captain. Captain Williams. They continue to exist. Superb. Hallucinations with time and spatial existence. I wonder how they will react to a bullet. No. Oh, no. Oh, Put on no, that no, gun. No, don't. An auditory appeal, no. even with yeah, the patient Dave. <laughs> run, run, run. They still exist. And so does the rocket. 
Phenomenal. Such persistence of the psychosis. First time I've ever observed it post-mortem. But it will fade. It will all fade. Interesting, wasn't it? Well, shall we be returning to the Institute? I should like you to explain certain aspects of the case to the members of my department. Oh, gladly, my boy, gladly. You see, this patient... Mars, Earth to Mars, calling rocket expedition, calling rocket expedition, do you read me, do you read me, come in Captain Williams, come in Captain Williams, Earth to Mars, Earth to Under the direction of Norman MacDonald, Escape has brought you The Earthman by Ray Bradbury, especially adapted for Escape by Walter Newman, starring Parley Bear with Harry Bartell, Hans Conrad, Larry Dobkin, and Lou Krugman. Featured in the cast were John Daner, Sidney Miller, Georgia Ellis, Jack Crucian, and Byron Kane. The special music for Escape is composed and conducted by Leith Stevens. Escape with us to an island off the northwest coast of Africa. And the story of a man whose quest for happiness was blocked by a giant, a madman, and a beautiful girl. As Millard Kaufman tells it in his exciting story, The Gladiator. There's all fun each and every weekday when most of these same stations bring you CBS Radio's Arthur Godfrey Time. This is Roy Rowan speaking. This is CBS where you hear the FBI in peace and war every Thursday night. The Columbia Broadcasting System. If you want to take it easy and you want to take it right, then you'll get a regal pail and you'll always know you're right. It's the life and better. Better, get it. Mellow, mellow, brew, regal pail. Never fail. It's the better, better brew for you and you and you and you. It's the better, better brew for you. This is KNX Los Angeles. You, finding life rather dull, dreaming again of exotic places... Wishing you were somewhere else? We offer you... Escape. Escape us now to an island off the northwest coast of Africa. And the story of a man whose quest for happiness was blocked by... A giant, a madman, and a beautiful girl. As Willard Kaufman tells it in his exciting story... The Gladiator... McNabb has been pushed ropes. And now Scarletti fouls his advantage with a right cross on the McNabb's heart. Then a left to the chin and a right. 
and on the right. Oh, a wizard of a smash to McNabb's jaw, and the pride of Scotland is down. He's down. The referee motions Scarletti to a neutral corner and begins counting. I sat there in a neutral corner, not realizing it was over. This was it, Joe. I had to tell myself this was it. After 12 years in the scrambled brains business, 12 years of living like a monk and dying before each fight, this was it. And then I saw her. Dark she was and pliantly slender. The most beautiful girl I'd ever seen. She sat there among the ringside bloodsuckers with the arc lights on her white face. As calm and incurious as a queen. Even a cold shower couldn't get her out of my mind. I don't know why. Her hair was the color of night, and she wore a diamond in it, like a star, when only one is shining in the sky. And now I'd never see her again. Joe! If I had any guts, any guts at all, I'd have gone to her as I left the ring. I'd have said, you're the most beautiful girl I've ever seen. I'd have said, what's your name? What are you doing here? Joe! What? Oh, yeah, yeah, Pony. You can climb out of the shower now. Newspaper guys have gone. <clears throat> you got rid of them real fast, huh? Well, it was a snap. Nobody's interested in a retired heavyweight champion. <laughs> Not even on his first night of retirement. Well, that's the way I want it. For the rest of my life. Hey, here's your rope, Joe. Oh, thanks. Yeah, a little peeved, the sports writers. They thought you'd stick around London for a while instead of tearing off to Rome. Yeah, we got the plane tickets. Yeah, and an hour to make the plane, so please don't... Good evening, gentlemen. May a stranger congratulate you on your splendid victory. Uh, thanks, bud, but, uh, now if you My just... name is Verenius, Julius Verenius. Oh, it's nice knowing you. But we're sort of in a hurry. May they... I introduce my niece? Um, come in, my dear. Lucrezia. Hello. Hello. I, uh, thought I'd never see you again. Where did you see me before? In the ring. <laughs> I, I mean, when I was in the ring. Oh. I... Thought you were the most beautiful girl I'd ever seen. Hey, hey Joe, we'd better get going. We're, we're misconnections. Mr. Scaletti, I wonder if you and your manager would consent to be my guests on your trip to Rome. I assure you no public conveyance could be as pleasant as the one I offer. Eh, Lucrezio? Well, there are certain compensations about a steam yacht. Uh, thanks a lot, but we couldn't impose on but you. But I insist, my dear sir. Uh, Mr. Scaletti, you see, I am a student of the boxing. I should enjoy talking with you. I should be honored playing host to the greatest of all champions. Oh, I'm sorry, Mr. Veronius, but... Please. Mr. Veronius, we'd be delighted to go. Yeah, but, Joe... Your niece won't mind. I would love having you. Splendid. I'll have your baggage picked up at the airport. I can't tell you what a pleasure it will be for my niece and me. The pleasure is all mine. <laughs> But I... 
I just do not understand. You had success. You were famous, and and you gave it up. <laughs> I would never have given it up. You know, I like the way you dress. You fit into it nice. <laughs> you sound like a kid on his first date. Well, in a way, I am. See, I've never been this close to a nice girl before. I'm not so nice, Joe. And you're not so close. Well, I can get closer. No, Joe. Yeah, three days on the water, three nights under the stars. You sound absolutely lyrical. Like number one on the hit parade. <laughs> and it's still no Joe. Don't rush me. You have plenty of time. Yeah, plenty of time to make up for all... You're like a spring, all wound up. I've been wound up for 12 years. But wind down. Talk a little. Talk it out. Talk, that's kid stuff. Oh, you don't know anything about kids. I don't believe you ever were a kid. No, I guess I wasn't. The night of my 17th birthday, I had my 17th fight. <laughs> That's some coincidence, huh? Why cry about it? You're still young. Yeah, I'm 29. Days are going fast, and what have I got to show for them? Oh, nothing. Nothing except the satisfaction and the wealth and the fame of being the greatest fighter in the world. And that world was pretty narrow. A ring 20 feet square surrounded by rope. You're the first man since Fitzsimmons to hold the light heavyweight and the heavyweight championship at the same time. Hey, how do you know so much about fighting? Oh, I don't. I'm just quoting. <laughs> Speak for yourself. Tell me about yourself. Or uh, is that kid stuff, too? Well, no, but... <laughs> There's nothing to tell. Oh, there must be. I mean, who are you? Do you live in Rome or Paris or neither or both? <laughs> 